You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk, do you know what makes me feel really old? <laughs> when I, we just watched a movie that's 28 years old. Correct. And I saw it when it came out. <laughs> Does that make you feel old? Did you see this movie when it came out? I did not see it when it came out. I saw it probably when it came out on, I saw it on, on home video. HBO. Oh, well, so the next year. Probably At that year. time, movies didn't make it to HBO for a year. Still 26 that. years ago and you... 27 years ago and you... Uh, Unlike some people in this room, I have accepted my age and uh, I'm, I'm saying nearly a half a century It makes you actually old. feel... Because I was... When we was... Uh, anyway, the movie we just watched is American Werewolf in London. Um... One of my fa- childhood favorites. Definitely. Um, I said to you, I think it's one of those things that planted in my mind that I was, even though it's an American werewolf guy in London, I still was completely taken by London and the, the way the British people, the formality of them and the nurse lady. And I think I, that's when I started my little uh, love of uh, Are you an things. Anglophile? I am not. I don't want to be... <laughs> labeled as such. Anyway. I only love one British person. That would be you. And I'm not obsessed with all things British, but that time it was so different than anything I'd ever seen. Anyway, off topic. It captured... No, that's so No, on topic. topic. Um, so anyway, Sunday, September the 13th, 2009. This is after the show, your weekly movie review slash thing. <laughs> and this is number 87. This week we're looking at the movie American Wealth in London, as I just said, on Blu-ray disc. It's from 1981, as I just said, and it's out on DVD... Oh, it's out on Blu-ray on the 15th of September, which will be this Tuesday. Um, it's from our friends at Universal, and if you haven't seen it, where have you been all these years? But you're going to tell us about it anyway. I will. First, I'll say we will acknowledge 9-11 was the other day, and I'm sure everyone saw or heard all variations of remembering that day, and I do remember the beginning of that day was you coming in I was asleep in the bed because I work nights. You came in and shook me and said, something terrible is happening in America. And you had this really, like, panicky, seriously, like, and I was like, what, what? And then got up and then, of course, spent the day. And that night at work, we had the TV brought in and all that. And so I remember, that's how, that would make me feel older, is that I have something in my mind now, life now, that, like a John F. Kennedy death and that kind of thing, where you go, I remember precisely that day and that I remember that, too. I remember coming to my computer, because I'd woke up early. Yep. I'd come yep. to my computer, and like it was all lit up, everything. you know. And your friend was like, what's my happening? My friend's list there? was going, have you seen what's happening? Because they're in England. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, I just wanted to acknowledge that was that day has passed again, and just, oh, it will always be there. Just like every other, you know, big, tragic thing that happens in history, and it's all for nothing but ideas, which is the tragic, the most tragic thing of all, I think, but... On to lighter topics. A dark comedy movie. American War from London. What's it about? The very simplest synopsis is two, I'm saying late teens, early 20s young men are backpacking across Europe. Obviously they're going to London, England, and then they're, they've mentioned going to Italy, right? They, of course, are in England. They come across this sort of creepy uh, countryside and they find a pub, and they're real mysterious and weird, and they're like, beware of the moon, and they've got a pentagram on the wall. I think that's what it was, a pentagram, a five-pointed, yeah. 
I don't know if it's a pentagram. I think that's upside down or something. But um, anyway, so it's very quickly introduced to you the idea that there's something werewolfish and extra extraterrestrial. No extraterrestrials. Um, no. Spiritual weird shit going on in this. Monsters. And yeah. Stuff. And uh, then they get attacked. And, and hilarity dies. ensues. You know, I don't see the comedy except for the uncomfortable comedy of it. Because as you go through the story, you know, one who, the guy who lives, obviously he's been scratched and bitten or whatever, so he's going to be a werewolf. And the one who dies is basically a zombie. And through the movie, you see him kind of pestering his friend, and he's in full uh, mauled makeup and... He's actually... It's, this is real. He's really mauled. <laughs> they mauled him. Just, but back then, in 1981, you see, they had to... Uh, Maul. <laughs> and it's got a love story. It is a tale of... I'm sure you can read a lot more into it, but from watching John Landis, I don't think there's more to it. No. You could equate it. You could say that it's parallel to someone who becomes a drug addict or an alcoholic or takes the wrong rails in their life and how that. No, I don't think. No, exactly. But I think I've read and heard. It's a werewolf story. Exactly. That's what it is. It is a young man who's tormented because he's been literally bitten by a werewolf, and you know it's got a sadness to it because it's all this, all this potential for young life and all the things ahead, and yet you know there's doom and gloom ahead, and so. No, I I've seen this film. I never laughed at this movie. You you say it's funny. He says it's funny. I never laughed out loud or anything. It was more like, oh my god, that's so. Weird I always thought there awesome. was funny parts. There there are definitely funny parts. Head rolling over the street. That was funny just because it looked so bad. But the, other than that, the balloons, <laughs> the balloon part, yeah. I always thought was really funny. There's this part. This parts that are funny. Yeah. Some of the banter between him and his friend is pretty funny. Um, I've seen this film a lot of times. I mean. It's one of those films where I was just watching it now and I've not seen it for 15 years, probably. I bet the last time I seen it was 15 years ago. And I actually know every single scene, what they're going to say, the whole thing. Wow. Nothing is unfamiliar to me in the entire movie. So I must have watched it a lot in my youth. I must have repeatedly over and over watched it. Because I loved it. I remember really loving it because I've never seen anything like it. And then watching it now... I can understand why it's very unlike films of that time. Oh, completely, like, yeah. Well, it's like films of that time, but then it isn't, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, totally. it's got the vibe of, like, a late 70s, early 80s film. But that makeup and... I mean, there's a famous transformation scene where he turns into a werewolf. It's not really spoiling anything. He's a werewolf yeah. in London. It's in the title. <laughs> but the transformation scene, I actually think, holds up to this day. I mean, it's not like a... Nowadays, they'd remake that It's not that like movie. a seamless, smooth kind It'd be of thing. a CG thing now. But his acting, and I'm going to give David... He looks like he's in pain. Super like, credit for this. And I remember at the time, always always clenching up my shoulders. And I did the same thing today. I was like, oh, just thinking. Because you, you have to go in that place in your mind where John Landis was, where he wants to see the torment that a person will go through, through this myth of a werewolf. What actually happens? They don't, like he said, they don't just sit in a chair and do it. It's going to be painful and horrific. And that's what you feel like. Oh, and that's you know? what it was. And that, yeah. you know, and all, only thing I always think whenever whenever I see it is it shows you this scene from the his back, and then it pans down to his feet, and his feet elongate the bone. Yeah. And I'm thinking, imagine like your bones elongating like in real time. Like, yeah, exactly. And, well, your, and was, his hand growing out, yeah. and so nails I, growing out of the end of your finger. I actually was expecting it to look really horrible. I mean, not horrible, bad. Yeah. 
poor quality. But I didn't think it did. No. And it was, you know, we were watching it in high def, so anything that was going to look out of place would. And I don't think it did. I think it really holds up for a film of that age. For that age, yeah. It's got a little bit of awkwardness just because you, you know, you're cutting between the live actor wincing and curling up his shoulders and all the movement and covered in hair, and then you cut to a, a, a more... It's kind of a slightly wiggly version of his back with the hair growing and the bubbles bursting or coming up on his skin. So it's obvious now. We've seen hundreds, thousands more movies since then, obviously. But you still just have to kind of... And it's still quality, though. Oh, there's yeah. no like creepy CGI. There's nothing weird about this. Because there's none no of CGI. No, it's all it's in just, camera. So it's, it's um, awesome. Even awesome. on the subway where the guy's coming up the escalator and you see the werewolf guy coming from down. Like yeah, that. and I was like, I remember at the time thinking, oh, that just looks so creepy. He's all alone. I think one thing that looks really good is when you first see his friend who turns up with, mm-hmm. he's just freshly been killed, so he's got, his face is all, you know, scratched. Yep. Not just scratched up, his torn neck is apart. All missing, yeah. Now, even now, when seeing it, this in high definition, that part, I was thinking what a really, really good makeup job yeah. that is because it didn't look like a rubber face. It looked like Yeah, real... you didn't see the seam or anything. And no. That later when they turn him green and stuff, it that looked looks a, bit a bit hokey. Yeah, but... with the funny eye that kind of... Made... But like that very first makeup job, I was I, I, I was thinking, whoa, I don't even think I've seen it. I was close. looking. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. looking around his mouth for any edges of latex or anything, but they must have really glued that on there back then because it was Or it was real. <laughs> they mauled that guy. Yeah. It took him 30 years to heal. You know, so this movie, I've seen it a lot of times, I know it off by, I absolutely enjoyed it. The only thing that f- this time felt different to me was it felt really brief. Like, yes. I, I felt like there was more to it than that. But yep. they really... You get went from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, it seemed really fast. And I think it, the end in part, just, it seemed to wrap up, like, very quickly. Like, I was like, I was thinking to myself, did I see an extended version? Was there more to that? But there wasn't. No. But it felt like it was over and done with. Like, it, that was it, and then it's done. And I, I... Age can do that to you, doesn't it? What? Aging and all the other movies we've seen and different ways of telling stories, and that did the same thing to me. You get to a certain point, and then boom, it escalated. It's pretty and functional, then... the story. It's just like, there Very. is no elaborating on any... The characters don't get elaborated on much anyway. It's just like, this is going to happen. It happens. Here's the outcome of that. The end. That, yeah. that is really it. Like, <laughs> yes. There's yes. none of this, like, let's have him transform several times. Also, is, was this me? Or, he transformed into a werewolf. And then the next day, when he's talking to her, saying he was a werewolf last night, and then he said, tonight's going to be a full moon. I thought the full moon only lasted one night. No, I don't. I think it's like two to three nights. Is it? Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like a full moon expert to prove you wrong on that. You have the internet. I, I do, but I just... <laughs> no, no, just, it can last like two to three nights, really? I believe. Yeah. See, I, I thought that was a bit of a... No. Just a... But, um, you know... It, so you're trying to find flaws with Landis's movies? Well, I'm sure it's full of flaws, <laughs> but I do feel that it was... Uh, there's definitely not character progression like there is in modern day films. They definitely really get to the point quick, which is good for some people. And I, I noticed it, when I, when I noticed it ended quickly, I looked at the running time, and it's one hour and 36 minutes. That's including all the credits, so it's really more like one hour and 25 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty short, that, for a movie. I just, I felt like it was longer. If, I think when you're younger, and it is different than anything you've ever seen, you haven't seen that at that point. No. You're like, in, you're like totally gross in it. 
Whereas now, because you've seen it and you said you've actually got scenes memorized, mm-hmm. your mind is already skipping to the end of that to get on to the next one, even though you're enjoying it. I know for some movies like Groundhog Day and stuff, I don't do it on purpose. But I'm like, oh yeah, this is a scene in the bar. Okay, okay. I can't I want, wait I for the bit scene. where he eats exactly. all the cake. <laughs> exactly. So you kind of, like, you abbreviate it all in your mind. I and that's what I was doing. Today I was trying to look at other things. Things I probably wouldn't have noticed. Like the, the doctor's desk. He has, like, a, a human skull with mm-hmm. pins in the top of it. And things that I wasn't looking at in the past. And let's mention about the blue... We watched the Blu-ray. and So this is a high-definition transfer of An American Wealth in London, which is a 28-year-old movie. I was expecting... Um, I, don't, I wasn't expecting much out of a high-definition transfer, but I feel that this was the best I've ever seen that movie. I mean, it has to be, really, because I've watched that movie... <laughs> originally watched that movie on VHS on a little TV, no doubt. But I felt it looked really good. And, and it is, at the beginning, the opening scene where it's looking at the northern moors, the picture is really, really noisy. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's looks like flies TV. buzzing around in the sky. and it, I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, it was really, really. See, I didn't. I, I don't notice that. I just I noticed it wasn't super. It's high like death. mosquito noise everywhere, like all over the place. Now, then I was like trying to look at it closer, and it's nice film grain, which mm-hmm. they didn't scrub, which is good. And then opinion. once the title sequence ends, then it's much looks, more. Yeah, they, looks, I think they just don't bother with title sequences, to be honest, because we've seen that a couple. Well, of times. I think the film was covered in grain all over. This is what I want to mention. The the film was had this layer of grain. Which is naturally what it would have had film stock in them days and isn't as good. But I feel it preserved what it was supposed to look like. If you, I think if you would clean that up thoroughly and do like a full restore job on it, it, would, it captured some of the oldness to me. Like uh, some of that 1980s... I'm not sure why y'all obsess over this fuzziness. I think it's fine. It's Blu-ray. I mean, absolutely think that... I don't know why anyone would say film stock and film noise is worse than Blu-ray. Because I love it. I mean, it's a film. It was made on film. It is a film. If you make no, well, a digital I'm saying film, it. Well, I'm then saying it's is, crispy clear. No, but I'm not, I don't mean, like, don't take away what it was. Don't take it away is what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. the controversy, there's nothing wrong with controversy it. of a gladiator that we just discussed last week was that it had been digitally scrubbed, mm-hmm. right? Which makes it look artificially wrong. Because, like, the film grain's gone. Like, they remove it with a digital process. Now... I, I like it. I'm a fan of the grain. Because mm-hmm. it makes... Especially watching it like we do on a big projection screen. It makes me look like... It looks like I'm watching yep, a, exactly. a film. When we're not. We're watching a digital projection, right? But it really gives it the film image. So I think Blu-ray... People who make the Blu-ray discs... If it's an older film like this, don't clean it up. Don't... Because it's, it's basically... I've heard it's only a press of a button to get rid of the film grain. Because it's a algorithm that gets rid of it. Don't press that button. If you, if, if you feel tempted, don't press it because this film's very grainy, but super detailed. Like you were just talking about the stuff on the desk and everything. Yep. Everything shows up like it should do. And when he's transforming, and the hairs are growing, and the you know it doesn't look. No, I I was impressed actually. There was parts where I was like, "This is old. It can never have looked this good." Even in the theaters back then, it probably didn't. Probably not. No, depending because, on the theater. Yeah, I'm. Sure. I mean, the theatres are shite shit now. Our theatre. Imagine what it was like yeah. before they didn't exist then. I never saw this one on the theatres anyway, so I guess I the, how I'm used to seeing this yep. is on VHS on a 27 TV. 27 is that's pretty advanced. Yeah, it would have been less. It would have been like a 22 in those days. 1921, wouldn't it be? 
so yeah anyway Blu-ray disc I know for a fact I'll, pro- I'll go and read some reviews of this Blu-ray disc this week because I usually have a look to see what other people think and I know for a fact people are going to complain about that looking noisy I just want to say it does look noisy but it's actually how it looks that's, that's it and I'm going to say it doesn't look noisy it just looks like it looks <laughs> and, it, and one thing I did notice just the last thing on the Blu-ray is the colours are really good mm-hmm. now sometimes on old films they look really washed out but this film very colourful like I think when it's it a Landis thing as well he's got sort of a, a tuned up vision um, look to his movies you know everything's got plus I mean there's a lot of blood and they made really red really blood really red blood yeah. <laughs> like really red blood and her apartment there's all that's one of those things, one of those movies I saw when I was probably like as approaching, you know, teenhood and thinking, wow, I want to have an apartment of my own and have all that cool stuff in it like she does and live on my own and be a nurse and all that stuff, you know. And her apartment was really super detailed, lots of color, lots of. Every set was more authentic, than I remember. I yeah, more than I remember. Yeah, I thought it looked authentic because that looked like a real apartment to me. Um, not like a set. Yeah. It looked like a real place, you know? It's. It's. I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely of its time. I remember England in that way from being a child. You think it's different now? Yeah, it's totally different. That's now. what it's I said. It's been I, different for a long it time. It felt to me like in those days, 80s, and I'd see movies with British people or British movies, and there was either this weird wackiness, which would have been like Pink Panther movies, and in which I think they'd give a nod with this one little bumbling dude just a little bit. It was very British that is to me. So. Very British. I mean, that's what it was, yeah. Or they're very formal and you're very, you know, where it's like nurse so and so, and she's like yes, doctor so and so, you know, like That's and exactly I felt like, what it was like and like hospitals. very formal and put together, and the children all look like little adults. And now I think, and I said to you, doesn't it seem like it's changed? You said no, but I think it's lost that sort of to me. I think if you look even at America. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more formal. Like I, th- I do feel that uh, when you look at our eighties and nineties and think it was just fucking hectic, man. It was chaos and lots of, you know. So that formal stuff was left over from like the fifties and the sixties, yeah. and it did exist in the seventies. But yeah, I feel that all that's gone. Yeah, really. I mean, people don't treat each other with respect anymore. Than, yeah, like when they're on the subway and they've got they're surrounded by some punks, you know, with crazy hairdos uh-huh. and the painted uh, mohawks and stuff, and. The dude's making faces at her and making faces at, and they're kind of surrounding him. And I thought there's like an innocent look. The, the punks kind of look at him. Get knifed. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the yeah. idea, even the attitude, even that that lightheartedness of mixing with all those different people on the bus or on the subway, it's not mm-hmm. there anymore. It's a now we have fear, somebody and will steal your bag and now. anger. <laughs> and it wasn't like that at all, even presented that way. And I don't even think it was that. Well, I mean, there was crime, but no stuff's changed, doesn't it? Very different attitude. Now you'd be frightened they were going to steal your. Her windows right? in her apartment are unlocked. A door to her apartment no. is open. You know, like yeah, that's not going to happen in. I don't know. It's a movie. But those things still reflect a certain attitude. That here's my other thing. There were there is my other thing about this movie that I always had a problem with. It's only a small thing. A problem. They're on the moors in Yorkshire. I don't know what the, that is. The north of England. Okay. My 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 neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah, he ends up in a hospital in London. We don't have hospitals in the north of England. Well, the name of the movie is not <laughs> An American Werewolf <laughs> in Manchester. But you know what I'm saying. That's a long way to take somebody who's half dead to a hospital. Maybe back then you didn't have the right kind of medical care. Uh, I, I, I 
Plus, he explained that in the extras. That he got some kind of grant and public money for making a movie that was mostly British from the British Film Council or whatever. And that making London part of the star of the movie would would have been was, part of the deal. And then I was just trying to think, are there any mores near London? Not really. You know what? Like, well, the doctor seemed to have just taken a hop and a skip to that. Same and then place he did say it's a very long drive back to London. It wasn't just a hop and a skip. He, he drove like ten, uh, six, seven hours. Uh, maybe the kinds of injuries they had had to be special. Uh... <laughs> well, injuries over this way. London. Well, plus that's where they were going. Remember, they were going to London. They mentioned it. We're going to end up in London. So. Yeah, but there was still at the pub, which was in Yorkshire. <laughs> Which is about seven hours away from London. You need to call Landis up and to say, some, dude, you got to change I, I think he was probably like, Americans don't know Yorkshire and London. No, I think he was thinking, we're just throwing them out in the creeping place. Yeah. And then I don't give a shit how far it is to London. Because <laughs> Manchester. It's a movie. Manchester Hospital is pretty much an hour away from that, where they are. Well, that just, gesture isn't that recognizable. wouldn't have been to us then. It isn't now. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It's just being English, I can pick at it like that. Anyway, um, let's move on to the cast of this fine movie. I only wrote a few people down, but there's a lot of people in the movie. Yeah. Um, David Norton, who's, who's the star, the main character, David Kessler. Um, I really like him. In, I've not seen him in anything else, I don't think. I've seen him in a few things. And me not. I, I just know him as that guy from American <laughs> Werewolf. Not even the Dr. Pepper commercial? Because when they no, mention it, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. We didn't even I'm have Dr. Pepper. pepper. You're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper to be a pepper? Drink Dr. Pepper. And he's See, like dancing didn't... in the street. In England. And that's how John Landis found him. He saw yeah. him in that commercial and liked him and said, if he can do that, he can do this. Yep. <laughs> ah, exactly. You have to see. I'll find it on YouTube, I bet you, and I'll show it to you. But You'll no, be I, like, don't oh know my this, god. I don't know this guy from anything, just this movie. And I think he really does a really good job the entire movie. And he's this movie's full of, of dodgy acting. He's got a little bit of theatricalness about him, like young actor, a fresh out of acting school, few moments like that. But overall, well, I think this movie's full of dodgy acting. There's mm-hmm. loads of. She's really good though. She's good consistently. She delivers some bad lines. Oh, I think she's really just a good. couple. But I'm, what I'm saying is, it's also a, things have changed a lot mm. in acting. I believe uh, I, th- I feel acting was a little bit different back. Ben. I think Griffin, what's his name? Griffin Dunn is actually the most natural, best. He's caught the co- weird comedy lines. He's the he's the zombie essentially. He's his best friend. In yeah. the beginning, I think he's the most naturalistic, uh, relaxed yeah. actor of them all. And I can't help but think of when we see the the Griffin Dunn guy in real real life. There's a retrospective thing in real life now. I keep thinking of the guy who plays Face Man in the eighteen. Why? It just reminds me of him, his vibe, his everything about him. I don't know what it is. What is he called? Benedict. Dirk. Yes. It just Dirk reminds Dirk, me of him. Dirk, I don't know. Dirk Benedict. But, um, so yeah, the, David Norton, and I, I like him. But I do think this movie, the acting's not great. You can't say it is. It's, it's. You know what? I disagree. I think some of it's pretty good. I like the doctor guy. The inspector and that, they're just folly. You know, they're not there for anything other than a little bit of comedy element. Um. The doctor guy who I don't know the name of, the guy who plays, the grey-haired guy who plays the Doctor, he, as a British person, is part of your life, no matter what you... I mean, he's on television all the time as something. <laughs> he's, You know, he's one of those guys who you absolutely 100% know who he is. Right. But then you can't place exactly what you saw him on. Anonymous, famous as you call Yeah. 
Um, you probably don't know him no. just from this. He's absolutely a... I feel like I saw him in another in an actual horror movie once, maybe. As an inspector or something like that. I have to look, but... And then... Um, Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn is his friend. Um, I also like him. I think they really work well together. Even yeah. the scenes at the beginning. He's a real smartass. Even yeah, though he's yeah. dead, he's real like... Don't be a schmuck, Sarcastic. David. Yeah, like yeah, and or putz, I guess. Exactly right. how he would be to how he why his friend liked him, kind of thing, because he's kind of the opposite of him. He's not as level-headed. He's yeah, kind of a little bit more wild. Um, and then Jenny Agatha plays Nurse Alex Price. Now this is funny because like when I first watched this movie, which would have been in the eighties, she was like one of my first. Like heartthrob type things, ah, you know, nice. where you watch a movie and you're like, "Oh, I really like her." Yep, she totally was. It must have been one of the. I must have been at that age, like, what, like, eighty one. You would have been, yeah, like, yeah, like a teenage boy. And I used to think, oh, and and you know, there's a bonus you get to see her naked, mostly, almost naked. But yeah, I always used. She's to naked think, in the sex. Yeah, she is actually. Yeah, yeah. you don't see everything, but I mean, no. But yeah, but she that was sex a, scene is pretty intense for just a comedy it is, movie. It is really, it, but it's it very of its time. L- yeah, long. it's very of its time because of that age in that time period. Of course, any movie that had any sex or any hint of sex, comedy or serious or or otherwise, of course, you know that was like the titillating part of any of those movies. And I don't remember it being that like it was really intimate and like lasted a long time. And yeah, it seemed to last longer than I thought. You know, when I said <laughs> the film lasted shorter, that sex scene lasted longer. I was like, well, I don't actually remember this. Did they insert some more frames in here? Or... <laughs> because you know, yeah, but yeah, I loved her, Jenny. I could say anything that she was in, I would try. And then there's she was... the porno movie in the movie, which is really funny too. That you think like, wow, full on porno movie. Jenny Agus isn't. Let me just say, is not in the porno. No, 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 no. I'm saying... But yeah, there is a porno movie. There's a scene in this movie that takes place in a 80s porno theatre and the porno movie's going on. Now, John Landis made the porno movie especially for the... And it's kind of a comedy porno movie. It's, yeah, it's well, really... Well, not supposed to be. It's yeah, exactly. just supposed to be a bad movie. A bad movie, yeah. But it is actually one of the funniest parts. The um, Definitely. Well, we don't spoil it. It's funny. Yeah, no. So, uh, and... I didn't write anybody else down. And the, and there are a lot of people in even like Rick Mayle is in there in the pub. Um Frank Oz. Brian Blessed. Yeah, not Brian Blessed. Brian you know the guy who plays the main kind of antagonist in the slaughtered lamb. Yeah, the older guy. Yeah, him. He's a famous Yeah, he, he is. He plays a lot of like thuggish kind yeah. of roles now, yeah. But there are there are a lot of people in there and John Landis makes an appearance himself. Briefly. He wouldn't notice if he didn't know. No. Um so, for, you know, over... We'll go on to... Oh, the director. Let's do the director. John Landis... Uh, well, what did John Landis do? He did... Might not even realise he did m- most of these. He did uh, Coming to America, which uh, not, I'm not a fan of. He did Beverly Hills Cop 3. I'm not a fan of. <laughs> Trading Places, obviously I'm a fan Fantastic. of. Fantastic. Um, Three Amigos. Yeah. yeah. Animal House, I'm awesome. a fan of, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and Michael Jackson's Thriller, which obviously has to have some kind of... Uh, Did he do that Kentucky Fried, Chick- Kentucky Fried movie yes. as well? Because yes. I've never seen that. And then that other slot. I saw Kentucky Fried movie. It was this kind of a sex comedy. It was not very good. He did Blues Brothers as Blues well. Brothers, yeah. another one. Um, Michael Jackson's Thriller obviously had a lot of influence from this movie because that was a bit later than this movie. Um, 
I don't think the werewolf changing scene in Michael Jackson's thriller <laughs> was as good, to be honest. Well, it's not as intense, no, obviously, because you've only got a lot less time. So um, let's move on to the extras. And what I like about John Landis, he's just, even now you see the interviews and he's really enthusiastic. And he was like a crazy 18-year-old when he started in movies and was writing this movie even then. It said like 10 or 11 years before it got made. So it's been his, like his actual life since he was yeah. a boy. And I and he's still like, he doesn't seem, not maybe just because you only see the little snippets of him, but he doesn't seem like a Hollywood bigwig. Do you know what I mean? Where... He just kind of talks and he Not laughs. Not like a Spielberg and, or whatever. Um, yeah, Spielberg doesn't... I mean, he is. But I don't ever get that vibe from him either, really. But John Landis is like, you know... Like, even now, if, if he came up with some outlandish idea for a movie that he knew the studios would resist, he'd be like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's try it. Let's see what they say. You know what I mean? Like, he just really wants to push through. and So I like that about him. Now, this, uh, this is... the. The Blu-ray disc, the cover for the Blu-ray disc, isn't the traditional, what I remember, all the VHS covers and everything being for American Wealth in London. And I actually quite like this one, because it's the if you remember the original VHS cover, it was just like the werewolf's face from the site with the map, like the real photo. Oh, yes, it. yes. Yeah, which is real iconic. It was also the movie poster. Now, this is actually a new image, and I actually like this better. Oh, I don't. I like the werewolf face. So this better. is like, a, it's got a nice London in the dark scene. Full moon and the two dudes in the foreground. Big Ben and stuff with them in the front. I actually like that image better because I'm sick of seeing the other ones, to be honest. It's like been a long time, you know. It hmm. is an old movie. Um, and this is the full moon edition of the Blu-ray, meaning there was a <laughs> DVD came out. It means it'll only work on nights when there's a full moon. Correct. So. There was a DVD right. come out a couple of years ago that features some retrospective stuff and this is that but in high definition anyway it contains quite a lot of features I was pretty impressed there's, yeah, yeah. there's quite a lot um, and they say it's two hours of brand new bonus features now the first the all new features number one is I Walked With A Werewolf which is a little thing about Rick Baker who does the special effects and he he talks he actually talks about a new movie called mm-hmm. Wolfman that he's working on but it's just a little bit about him, which is... There's better things about him on here, but that's just one little section. Then the second one is Beware the Moon, which is a full-length movie about the making of American Wealth in London, which is excellent, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, a, it's like... Well, I mentioned it. Like the Terry Gilliam feature on 12 Monkeys we talked about last week. It's that kind of... Lots of detail, but a modern interview. Retrospective, because yeah. it actually interviews them now. Well, a couple of Lots years Lots of ago. Landis, which is really good. All the play, all the main players. And that lasts like an hour and 30 minutes. Um, you can actually, on the Blu-ray, which is really cool also, you can either watch it all as a whole movie, or you can just pick the parts you like. like um, which we did. You can go to, like, if you want to see about the music, you can see the You know, it's broke down into little sections. So, um, probably worth the price of the DVD for to see that because you know it's it's a new feature that's not been seen well it has on the DVD <laughs> uh, additional features which are not the new features but they're other features uh, making an American werewolf in London the original featurette which is the, actually long. the original featurette we said it's maybe something they put on HBO back in the day really short five minutes kind of promoting John Landis more than anything I think the kept, maker of Animal yeah, House kept saying and blah, blah, blah. John Landis John yeah, yeah. Landis he does this he does that his latest foray into the world of classic horror films it's pretty interesting archival kind of thing where you think well things are done quite differently now but 
in that day, this is how things were done. Um, then there's an interview with John Landis, which is another interview with John Landis, about 30 minutes long. Um, it's just him yeah. in a chair answering stuff. Uh, then there's makeup artist Rick Baker on the American Wealth in London, which is not what I mentioned first, but another one. This one's actually more in-depth than the other one. But yeah, Rick Baker, while we haven't mentioned him, he's the guy who did the makeup effects for this... A groundbreaking guy. And he's still working to this day in monster makeup. He did the he did the band, or the the aliens in the bar in Star Wars. He sure did. And a New Hope. And he did the new Wolfman movie, and he did this movie, and I'm sure There's he did... There's probably a lot more that we don't even know about. Oh yeah, tons of them. Um... And then there is casting of the hand, which shows you how the hand is made. It's ha- that if you watch, if you've not seen the movie yet, the hand <laughs> is kind of a focal point on the transformation. There's outtakes, which unfortunately are missing the soundtrack. <laughs> now that's I don't know whose fault that farcical is. Farcical to watch when you don't. They're not as funny when you can't hear what's going on, but they're there anyway. They just included them, and instead of <laughs> having them silent, they put the noise of a projector. Yep. So that makes them kind of surreal in some way. It's just weird watching them. Like, like a silent music. movie. And then there's storyboards, a photograph ma- a photograph montage, a feature commentary with John Landis, and this is also D-Box motion, motion enabled. Now, if you've got D-Box seats, <laughs> doesn't seem like the kind of movie that needs D-Box, but hey, somebody went to this the trouble. There's only like one raucous moment, really. The end part, yeah. Somebody went to the trouble of D-Box encoding it, though, so they must have felt that it... Hmm. Seems to be cropping up more and more the D box thing, but like we haven't. If we, you don't know what D box is, it's motion control seats for your home theater, or you can actually go to theaters D box enabled theaters now, where everybody's seats rumble, it vibrates and, move. and moves. And now it's a cool idea and everything and immersive, but a movie like this, I don't <laughs> see where it fits no, in. There's nothing to immerse in. But anyway, if you if you've got your posh D box theater, <laughs> it will work with this disc, um, and that is all the extras and. Well, that I don't know if that sounded like a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there to watch, and like like with the Twelve Monkeys one, it's just probably worth it for the Beware the Moon because it, who is the guy on the Beware the Moon? I I don't know. It was like a young dude who presents it. And what's really cool is the Beware the Moon's presented by this young dude who I don't know who he is because he didn't really explain. But he actually goes to the slaughtered lamb now, and it's so. It makes me sad because it's not <laughs> the slaughtered. I mean, it's just like I a, didn't even think it was real to begin with. So no, but it's like I mean, it probably did look like that, and I mean, it didn't have the pentagram on the wall. What I'm saying is, yeah. it probably looked like an old timey pub, but now it's just like a wine bar type yeah. family pub. It just looks boring, like anything else. It's not the slaughtered lamb anymore, is it? It's the black dog or something. No, he something said the boring. name something. something sheep. Yeah, it's not very exciting. It's not the swan. Slaughtered lamb. Something swan, red swan. I wonder if they so. make any... Because when you look inside that pub, because he was in there, you know, operating on a day, I wonder if there's anywhere in there where there's American Werewolf... Anything. They're probably sick of it. I mean, just a picture <laughs> behind a bar or something yeah. to say, like, it was made there. Because, you know, you shouldn't... To us, it's iconic. But then again, you get a little sick of something after 30 years, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess. I'm sure there'll be something there, even if it's just... I mean, imagine working on the Death Star today. My God. The tourists. Uh, It'd just be awful. Terrible. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's American Wealth in London. Um, I, it means a lot to me, this movie. And I, watching it again now, I actually realise how 
this is part of me, this movie. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, and that's it's an awesome thing to say. I totally, totally understand. Well, it is. As soon if as I it know started. It's, yeah, everything about And it. the music came on, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm so excited I saw to see it so again. much. It's like something, like I've said before, The Exorcist has also stuck mm-hmm. with me in a different way. For me, Jaws is one of those. It's part of... Um, I've seen Jaws so many Star times. Wars, I have that obviously. thing where I just I can mouth the words to everything, and it gives me some weird, like as soon as it's over, I just want to I just want to watch it again. Like I don't want it to be over. I want to start at the beginning again and like do it over and over. I can tell you, I won't I wouldn't leave it ten years to watch this again. I mean, this is one. That... I bet I bet you anything you'll go at some point and watch the Werewolf, oh. in, Le- and Werewolf in Paris. Cause you're I actually like felt like watching it then, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, onto uh, recommendations. That'd be a yeah. good segue for that. Um, I went with some comedy horrors, even though, uh, you know, this does fit into a kind of a comedy slash horror mold. I think it's more horror than comedy. That was the intention. Yeah. But anyway, three of my favorite. Well, two of my favorite comedy horrors. My first one is, to the American people, it would be called Dead Alive. Correct. To British people, it would be called Brain Dead, and that's Peter Jackson's. I think it was third movie. It's a gross-out comedy horror, um, and it is horrific. Yeah, and also very funny because it's farcical almost. Yes. Yeah. So, probably the most gruesome movie I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, it's literally blood. It isn't gruesome like this one, though. I don't. No, I mean, but you I mean, see, it's like, really people, fake bloods and bad. guts and blood, but it's not gruesome to me. Gruesome to me is the real-looking stuff. Let me say that a guy <laughs> uses a hover mower. Love mower. Lawnmower. Yeah, to uh, mow down incapacitate and... a bunch of people. And then then when their heads are all on the floor, he uses them as stepping stones to get from one side to the other. It's got crazy stuff That's what stuff I mean, like but that. it doesn't look gruesome because it isn't... No, I absolutely turned my stomach when I first... I, was, right. I saw it in the theatres because um, I was a Peter Jackson fan. I'd seen um, before Peter Jackson... Anybody even knew who he was. I'd seen... Um, I told you to watch it. Yep. Well, and Bad I did. Taste. I did watch it. Yeah. And then what grossed me out more than anything in the whole movie was when the grandma's ear fell in her suit. <laughs> <laughs> that no, that, that's brain dead. Yeah, no. No, I'm talking about Bad Taste, his first movie, when I told you to watch it. I thought Bad Taste was... Bad Taste... No, Bad Taste is the one where the... The aliens? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Real bad student movie. Yeah, very bad. Now, that was my first taste of Peter Jackson. It's a gory, amateur movie. (laughs) Very. But Um, you can't not watch it. But I watched it, and I'd never seen anything like it. It was, you know... He's from New Zealand, right? So it was like a new... Everybody talked with a New Zealand accent. (laughs) It was very gruesome... And weird with aliens weird. and shit. It was, about, it was about aliens using humans as fast food to sell on their planet. Like like we were like McDonald's to them. So right, they right. were stealing us and taking us off. It's just effed up. Anyway, <laughs> I've seen that movie and I saw the name Peter Jackson. And Peter Jackson's actually in that movie. Um, and then I kind of latched on to Peter Jackson and I heard that Braindead was coming to the theatres and I went to the theatres and watched it and I couldn't believe what I just saw when I come out. I wanted to go in the next night and watch it again. Because <laughs> I was like, how Holy did crap. this get through the censors first off? Because it's insane. I mean, there was nothing like that in its day either. It was before all the mad gore films. Yeah, yeah. Um, to this day, it's, it's one where, you know, there's a lot of Peter Jackson fans now. Who've I still seen... don't think there are any movies like that. No, I don't think so either. It's real... 
self-indulgent. Like Completely. he he was a gar gar fiend. Like he's into gar movies and stuff himself, and he just went, "Let's just outdo all them, yeah, and make the most goriest thing we can possibly do on a shoestring budget." Because there's no budget on Brain Dead either. It's all um, it's all experience. There's yeah. no there's no substance really. I mean, there's some social commentary in both of them. There's actually about, a cool story about to the brain, you know, about you know. And Brain Dead's a period piece, also, which is like, I mean, it's kind of was it the fifties? The fifties, yeah, yeah. It's kind of very, very claustrophobic. Yeah, you're, you you only see yeah. the one little area, one house but. and like this little town, but I can't recommend it enough. And people who you know, Peter Jackson fans who think he just did Lord of the Rings and King Kong, no, he didn't. He had this kind of seedier like. Uh, you yeah, we just talked about that the other day, and I said he went from Brain Dead. Yeah. To Heavenly, Heavenly Creatures. Creatures, to Lord of the Rings. No, yeah. we did the Feebles and uh, me. The Feebles was in between, but they weren't great or anything. They no, weren't like the Frighteners was his first Hollywood movie. Yeah, but it that wasn't was really good. no. And then boom, they give him a third of a billion dollars. Uh-huh. I just think that's <laughs> somebody loved him as much as you did. That's all I can say. So all I'm saying is, if you're interested in like Peter buckets Jackson, of glo- bu- buckets of movie blood. Well, if you're interested in Peter Jackson's early work. And it's, you know, now he is Peter, Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson. This stuff is so far removed from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you will be like, what the You'll hell? be like, yeah, really? This particularly with the first one. Yeah, and particularly with Meet the Feebles, which is the other one where it's a puppet, gory puppet show, let's call it. Let's I've call it The Muppets one. with sex and blood. I've never seen that one, so yeah, I should Yeah, it's it. effed up really bad. <laughs> In the same way as Brain Dead and Bad Taste is. It's kind of along those lines, but with puppets. Um, so that was my first recommendation for a comedy horror film, if you could call it that. And the second one is uh, the third in the Evil Dead series, which is Army of Darkness. Now, what happened with the Evil Dead series, and I love all three of them, and this talk of him doing a fourth, which amazing, in my opinion. Bruce Campbell's still around, and Sam Raimi is. But anyway, the third one, what happened with the Evil Dead? There was the Evil Dead, the first movie, which was a serious, scary horror movie along the lines of like Amityville horror or something yeah. you know like scare, supposed back to be scary evil spirits from yeah. hell kind of thing in a forest exactly. and tormenting people and, and possessing scary. people yeah. and it had a rape scene involving a tree you know it was controversial also and then Evil Dead 2 came out no with, comedy <laughs> no it wasn't funny in the slightest and then Evil Dead 2 came along which was essentially a remake of Evil Dead 1 but slightly changed a bigger budget version of Evil Dead 1, but with a little comedy edge to it. It wasn't quite as serious. And then what Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness, which is the one I'm recommending, became, it's the third in the Evil Dead series, was a straight-up comedy, slash fantasy, slash zombie, slash, you know. it Action adventure. Took a complete, have you seen the third one? I think I've seen parts of it. it it's almost like an episode of Xena. Yes, but more yes, horrific than yes, that. precisely. Yeah. Like if you've ever watched Hercules and Xena, which I was a huge fan of, yeah. and watched them for years. And those are Sam Raimi also. Yep, right? entirely. So, so that's what became. So it became. It it really evolved from like serious, kind of funny to this really crazy funny. Bruce Campbell is this badass who spouts one-liners, and it's just over the top. And. If you've not seen any like horror films, like you know, you've got to see them. I, I would see them all. Yeah, watch them all three, and then you'll see the difference. It's yeah. not like any other trio of movies that go together, kind of thing. It's the same character. Yeah, Ash. Ash goes through them. He ends up with the chainsaw arm. <laughs> you know, it's gory. Uh, it's 
quite disturbing. And, but that third one is just crazy. I mean, the third one is also... He goes back in time, doesn't he? And in there's the third like one. King Arthur kind of days or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's the army of the dead, which is like this army of skeletons and zombies and, and he fights them. Right. Uh, it's pretty badass. I mean, it's real. That is a real cheap movie as well, uh, Third Evil Dead. But yeah, it's got huge Lord of the Rings style battles. Sam Raimi and uh, what's his name? Um, Spy Kids guy. They have a similar Rodriguez. aesthetic about wanting to really, you know, I don't know, low but lower budget and but big. Now the talk I've heard about Sam Raimi doing a new Evil Dead, Evil Dead Four, it would be a. Hollywoody big budget remake of the first one, how he really wanted it to be. Because his right. first one was a student movie, essentially. He made it in his weekends and stuff. It was like a. He wants that to be made properly. And a little bit of vibe of like the original Halloween, original Friday the 13th. Texas Chainsaw. That, well, Texas Chainsaw is a little more intense, but the, the kind of, yeah, like uh, feeling their way through. Grassroots as they Yes, go. exactly. Just, just really like. You know, we've got a camera and we've got like five dudes and let's go make a movie. And the Book of the Dead. Because literally awesome. they made Evil Dead 1 with Bruce Campbell, who was Sam Raimi's friend. Not getting paid or anything, just his friend and some girls that yep. he met. And it was just like, let's make this movie, which is impressive. And, you know. I Makes think, me want to watch it. And it's one of the biggest selling... Cult classic DVD slash videotape movies to this day. It just became a huge phenomenon. Like so, you know, I'm sure um, Bruce Campbell's sick of signing Ash on things, isn't he? At conventions, people might be sick of this recommendation section. We've been going on. <laughs> You've no, been going the third on. one is trying to rush me. <laughs> the third one is. Uh, well, the third one is uh, American Well. Well, American Wealth in London actually has a sequel called An American Wealth in Paris which is not a John Landis movie but he co-wrote it um, but it's actually quite I actually liked it I don't know do you think if you saw it again now you'd still like it it's very 90s I remember that I remember watching it thinking it was the time when Lit were at the top of the charts and that kind of music uh, Smash Mouth you know right all yeah. that it has that kind of music dun, in it. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 well, it has all that kind of music in it, so it kind of dates it to exactly when it was... Well, and this this movie's actually dated to when it was before the music as well, right? No, it has, like, 50s music. Oh, yeah, it 60s, does. It has yeah. 50s music. Um, so, yeah, that one was American Wealth in Paris. It's not the most brilliant film ever. I just wanted to actually mention that there is a sequel, and if you love this, if you get pick this one up and like it, it's worth watching it, just to... It's not this. Right. Uh, but it does star Julie Delphi, who I really love. So, two. Okay, my recommendations... It's been a day or so since we started this recommendation bit. Are old horror movies that when I was a kid, kid, and they would show up on TV on a Sunday afternoon or late at night when I wasn't supposed to be awake and I creeped in and turned the volume down so low on the TV that I had to put my ear with my hand... Right up next to it, so that the screen with the big bubble screen, it was like right in front of my face. And I'm doing a little visual demonstration here for for Mr. A. Scully so he can tell I was that. I wanted to watch these movies that bad. So I would see these movies with Vincent Price and like really old like Rebecca and stuff like that. And It doesn't I just seem like help. a good audiovisual experience. It wasn't. Like, I would listen <laughs> and then lean back and then like lean in to listen and then lean back to look at the picture. It was awesome. I mean, now that I think about it, like how would I get anything out of it? But it was great. 
<laughs> so some of the ones I remember the most that I remember being that sort of gape mouth like <gasps> oh, were Dr. Fives. The abominable Dr. Fibes, which was Vincent Price. I remember the black and white. crazy was. doctor. Uh, don't know. No, I don't think so. No, no. No. Um, he was a doctor whose wife dies. He blames the doctors. And he's, like, obsessed with ancient Egypt and decides he's going to bring the, uh, what are they called? The curses of God down on each of these with the grasshoppers and the drinking oh, of yeah, blood. And, that. you know, each yeah, person. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird seven precursor. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because he can sneak in and stealthily do these horrible things to people, and then he takes off, and they can't figure out how did a, how did a, like a locust, yeah, or how did a room get full of locusts? You know what I mean, or whatever yeah. it was, grasshoppers or whatever. So I love that. I was just totally compelled by them. Then we have the return. Doctor Five rises again. Yeah, Doctor Five rises again, where he goes to ancient Egypt, and still is in the pursuit of this river of life that's supposed to be inside the pyramids or something and he still is taking vengeance on the fact that his wife died and wants to bring her back to life and everything but they're awesome because I mean, I'm sure they're bad but oh I'm sure I think I just was completely absorbed in them completely and they're creepy too and then Pit and the Pendulum which I thought was really creepy that's a black and white one yes and there's like a literally a Swing big <laughs> with a thing on it that when you it lay on like it a, can like kill you you know and it was just creepy was it like an it. Edgar Allan Poe story or some I think real- I don't know. I seem to remember reading that in English in a book or something, and then seeing it later. There's some, like, it's like a cautionary tale of some kind, I remember. I don't remember it fully, but I remember it itself. Kind of. And there's, of course, the wax museum and all that kind of stuff. My Trudeau's wax museum, and the really creepy where he's dipping live people in the hot wax. But Pit in the Pendulum and Dr. Fives are my two, like, old-school horror movies that I would recommend. Do I remember an old-school, like... Not Wolfman, but do you remember any old school werewolf movies? Because I really don't, to be honest. I've seen several. I don't, you know, I mean... It's I, almost like the first one I, I would saw. always that- watch. Anything that was on a Sunday afternoon or late at night after everything was over on a Saturday night, like at midnight, I would watch whatever came on. And hmm. there was a lot of those old horror kind of movies and stuff. So, so that's our recommendations for this week. Uh, if you want to enter a contest, see the site for details, com. Uh, next week's DVD will be Away We Go on Blu-ray. And away we go. Which stars John Kraskinski. You know that guy? Is that Jesus? Was he Jesus? Passion he, of the Christ? He was. He is Jim from The Office. Oh, well, then no. He's not <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now that Similar. would have been a whole other movie. Similar. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jim Krasinski. Krasinski. John Krasinski. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, he's in it. A, it's oh, okay, a, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. They go cross country. That one? Yeah. How do you know about that? <laughs> do you think I live in a cave? <laughs> yeah, that's it, though. <laughs> looks, actually, it looks like... Looks fun. Kind of, my kind of movie. Anyway, like a romantic comedy. Your kind of movie like Blood, Guts, and Gore? Yes. Right. Like romantic comedy, but not. Kind of a bit different from that. Anyway. Awesome. Uh, games and A-School stuff. What I've been playing this week? I've been playing a heap load of rock band The Beatles... Which I highly recommend. Um, a heap load? Because you let me know you started it, and a few hours later you were done. It's not a heap load. I played it every day. Now, there's, oh, I played right. the story mode in one go. The story mode is 45 tracks altogether, Beatles tracks. So if you stand and, or sit and stand or play them all in one go, you're probably finishing three and a half hours. That's roughly where it clocks in at. Which is still quite a long time to play a music game. 
Um, but then after that, there's to unlock everything, you have to go back and do like sets where they put five of the songs together and you play them all back to back and you have to get five stars in each one. So there's actual challenges that you can go back and do also to unlock all the extra stuff. There's videos and all kinds of things. You want me to Docu- sing for you sometime? If you want to sing. Oh, bloody, oh, bloody. I actually oh, just... Oh, crap. We're going to have to pay Paul for that. I actually just did the guitar. Um, I didn't do the bass. I just did the guitar. I didn't do the drums. Um, but it was fun to play. It was... F- One thing I've noticed about Rock Band is it's actually fairly easy. Like, almost like the Beatles Rock Band, they actually intentionally made it even easier than Rock Band because of the audience. Or is it possible that you've played so much rock band now you're just really good at it? Yeah, well, I, there's a, it's funny though cuz I play I play on medium generally. And I found medium Beatles to be very easy for me, but when I put it up to hard, which is the next one, it's slightly too hard. Right. So there's no fine line. I'm either it's too easy for me or it's too hard. So See, as a Beatle, I mean, I like some of the Beatles music. I'm not a Beatles fan person, right? So I wouldn't go out and buy this game because it's the Beatles, but some people will. And if they're like me, and any heavy challenge of a game discourages the crap out of me, and I'd give up. Well, So I would want it to be super easy all the way through. Well, so what's actually... Because it wouldn't be fun. There's actually a new feature. If you hit the back button on your, on your guitar at any time, it turns no fail mode on. So you, oh, awesome. you can't actually fail. I mean, you'll still get points for hitting the right notes, but if you stop hitting them, it carries on. Awesome. So they did cater to the audience that might, might be new to, new to a... Re- Just want to play the music and... Yeah. So that's Rock Band The Beals. I can't recommend it highly enough. And the, the cool stuff is the Abbey Road years where they're in the studio. Instead of just showing them in the studio, they do this thing called Dreamscapes where it breaks out of the studio. Like, for instance, the first one's Yellow Submarine and you're playing We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. And they're, they're stood in the studio playing it. And all of a sudden, bubbles appear on the screen. And then they're under the sea in these crazy deep-sea diver outfits. How do you even notice that when you're playing? I cannot concentrate on no, anything. I, I can see it. And I heard about that anyway on Bob and Tom when the lead designer guy was on talking but, about um, it. He said dream- they wanted to figure out a way to make those not boring. boring and and they did also a really good job the atmosphere they wanted they were trying to give you by listening to the album throughout with these sort of get escapism things yeah so. and this the i am the walrus has this weird whenever they say i am the walrus this weird looks like something out of a drug infused dream walrus it looks like paul mccartney with a walrus head <laughs> kind of zooms in on the screen and starts like zooming in and out and it's like oh you know but it actually puts you off the notes you're like this is freaking me out but I am the walrus. It's um, it's a great game. Uh, it's expensive, but I, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars to me it seems expensive. Because I don't even think <laughs> it doesn't Ro- just seem expensive. I don't think Rock Band was that much. You pay an extra because the Beatles is on it. But yeah, you can buy the disc, which is how I got it. Just the disc. Use all your old instruments, and um, sixty dollars for that one, I think. Where you know forty five tracks, you probably pay sixty dollars. And for if you that. buy just if you've never bought a rock band and you buy this for the two fifty, then you're online. Can you then download all the other rock band stuff? Uh-uh. No, you have to Why? buy that. No, I don't mean I don't buy it. I mean get it. No, Beatles is a separate entity to the other rock bands. That's not even fair because you would be interested if you got interested in that game. It was this. to do with a light. They didn't want other songs in their game like. Right. It's the Beatles, and that's it. So, no, it doesn't plug into each other. So, if you're interested in Rock Band, get Rock Band 2 disc, which 
you can find for $30 now. And you can import all the Rock Band 1 tracks into that one. So then that's all the other stuff. But it's so still separate. So you just separate. need two discs, really. Well, no, then you have to have the Beatles as separate. Yeah, that's what I mean. Beatles and Rock Band 2. And I'm sure there'll be a Rock Band 3 next November. No doubt. I'm sure they'll go back to Rock Band 3 this time. But anyway, that's Rock Band The Beatles, available now on everything. The other game I've been playing I just is... feel the money flowing <laughs> toward oh. Paul McCartney. And, oh, yeah. I'm, and... sure, I'm sure they're rolling in it. This, uh, I'm, I'm... this week is massive Beatles week. Yeah, because they also re- brought the albums out again. Um, so there's the rest of the money rolling in. On you hear a little bit of Beatle fatigue with the uh, DJs on the radio, if you still call them DJs, I don't know, radio personalities, where they're like, because eh, I listen to like classic rock and roll stations or whatever, and they're like, and here's the Beatles from 1972. Like, oh, man. Well, they have been playing it for <laughs> yeah. X amount of years, and now they're expected to act as though it's new again. Yeah. Like, and start and all this week, it's like every every other song, so... I'm more into the Beatles now than I was and partially due to this game so I think that's a good thing because there's songs that I said I played in rock band Beatles that I weren't even aware were Beatles songs and then there's other songs which I had heard before but I've got a different appreciation for now after listening to them properly and playing and hearing them. the words because when you play the Beatles game you're the only thing you can concentrate on is the music and words to the you're not you're not just like semi listening to it because it's on the radio. You're actually yeah. full attention, and I think that is where these games work. Because I'm sure there's a lot of kids now who sure pick up this game because they think it looks cool, and then end up liking the Beatles. That's, that can't can't only be a good thing because they're not not a bad band. <laughs> um, and then the, what else I've been playing this week is Dirt Two, which is Colin McRae's Dirt Two. Now I think I mentioned it a bit last week, yes. but what I wanted to mention this week was that. When you get about halfway through the game and Colin McRae died tragically, um, they do a little tribute. In real life, he died. Yeah, they do a little tribute to him in the game, which I thought was really well handled and very respectful. It wasn't like they were trying to be all sensationalist or something, but they get to this certain point and this achievement pops up and it says, For Colin. Because you you just do this you do this Colin McRae race like a classic race. Right. This achievement pops up and then this film pops up which lasts about five well no three three four minutes anyway it shows you like all these championship wins behind the scenes clips of him laughing with his co-driver and spraying the champagne on each other and all these different wins and just these amazing driving scenes of him going around corners like at 90 degree angles and you know just how good he was and then it fades to black and there's this Coldplay song I believe playing over the top of it so it's kind of sad emotional and then at the end they fade to his name and his you know from whenever he was born to 19 no to when was when did he die 2007 Um, tragically he died in a plane crash not yeah nothing to do with his sport yeah um so I, you know, a tribute. I think it's the first time I've ever seen a tribute to somebody in a game. I mean, I have seen in the credits uh, for somebody or whatever, but yeah. this was like they understood how important. Like Rock Band Beatles doesn't have a tribute to John Lennon no. or to George. So I Harrison. just thought that was interesting because, like, it made me think. You know, I've watched Colin McRae over all the years, and I've played every game that they've put out of Colin McRae. I really like rally racing. What a loss that was for that sport, you know. So that was interesting. Um, Games for this week that are coming out this week that I will mention next week. What? No, I'm just, you're just, I love your enthusiasm for 
No, there's, there's quite... You know. <laughs> like, it's never-ending, you know what I mean? Like, you're always... You're excited every well, time you get this, new... this week is a big... New round of games. This week is a big week for games. Uh, in fact, the next... It's Halo ODST next week. You know, that's one of the biggest games ever, right? So, it's that time of the year where lots of games come out. But this week, it's going to be Need for Speed Shift, which is the latest in the Need for Speed. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, which I'm actually kind of looking forward to, which is a RPG featuring all the Marvel superheroes. Um, and Wet, which is Elijah Dushku from Dollhouse. Um, she's this badass character. Kind of like Tomb Raider meets Grindhouse is the way I would put it. Um, she's a dual gun wielding... But I thought the demo wasn't very good or something. demo was actually kind of cool... I've heard people say it was really bad. I think Cheap Ass Gamer was slagging I thought you had said even that it didn't look that great, but maybe it could be wrong. No, I actually really enjoyed the demo. It was um, kind of it was pretty fun. Uh, graphics aren't brilliant, but the gameplay is kind of like my thing. It's like Max Payne. Right. That kind of slow motion dive in and shoot. Right, right, right. I actually thought it was kind of cool. Anyway, that's out on Tuesday as well. Uh, one last game, Scribble Knots. You're going to talk about that one. I am? <laughs> what about that comes out today what actually. is it yeah you're a little person in a little world what's it for the DS uh, in my case it's for the old DS the big chunky one which I love and you don't because it's not as bright as yours no but um, it is um, an all stylus pretty much all stylus you can use the buttons for different things but um, you're in a little world where you have to get the star right in each little scenario yeah, star right Starite, and to do so, you have to go to this little typing pad and type in, like, let's say for example, it shows you, and that shows a mountain, and it shows like a, a car, and it'll say, you know, get to the top of the hill. Oh no, no car. Say so it says get to the top of the hill to get the starite. So then you just have to use your mind and say, mm, what could I use to get to the top of that hill? A rocket ship, a car, uh, roller skates, uh, bulldozer. You know, bring the hill down to me. Whatever you. Go to the little type pad, type in the word, it gives you that object, and then in the in the physics of the game you can use different things to accomplish that. And you it just seems endless. I mean some things I type in they don't have, but it's we very rare, to... isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it, more often than not, whatever you type appears. I yeah. mean we type tofu for Christ's sake. Yeah. A piece of tofu appeared. Vampire pirate Vampire uh... Hunter God. I typed a diving bell on one, and it's just this bell you put on your head, and you can go into the yeah. water and dive. You know what I mean? Like it's just, and it's hard to describe, except that you you can be real traditional, which you often are. I notice in your little in your scenarios, you use like the most obvious thing a lot of times, or you can just d- go crazy and think of like the most absurd. Like in one little thing, you're in a park, and the objective is clean up the park and get rid of the fly. And there's trash on the park ground, and there's some trash in the tree. One of the pieces of trash is a bottle. Now, there's a piece of candy on the ground as well, like this dirty piece of candy. So I'm like, I'm going to get a child. So I drew, wrote the word child. A child, I put them down. They eat the candy. That's taken care oh, of. Oh, does that work? Yeah. And then uh, um, you can get like a chainsaw, cut down the tree, get the trash out of the tree. And then the other one, I'm like, mm, how boring is it? How can I, what's a non-boring way to get that bottle? You can pick it up and throw it in the trash can yourself. And I'm like, I wonder if bottle collector... So I type bottle, space, collector, 
And there's this little dude with a little hat like a and a little monocle or something. I set him down. He's looking around. He sees the bottle. He gets all excited, picks up the bottle, and walks away. <laughs> and then, like, that was the achievement. So I was like, why would they put a bottle collector in there? But There's, I believe, 100,000 words uh, programmed in. Now, that's no mean feat because I, I was saying to you, when you produce something, it also has to have an art asset associated uh-huh. with it and it also has to have a uses yep. action so I mean geez, to get it must have took them a long time to do that game and then most of the fun is like typing you can't believe sometimes because I there was a fish in the water it was a piranha fish and I couldn't get across the water so <laughs> what did I type giant yeah giant type, you needed to get rid of the bee and the fish and yeah. type giant and a giant you know, a giant, like a Gulliver's Travels. He's about three times taller than you. Came and just started stomping on everything and killing it. He's and then like, when he finished, I just got rid of him and carried on my And life. in the one winter scene, uh, it's like there are three, three kids throwing snowballs at you and the objective is uh, pay back, pay them. Return the Return favor. the favor. And I was like, oh, that'd be boring. You can throw snowballs at him. That will get you the achievement. And I'm like, I'm going to type abominable snowman. I did the so same. So I did that. Put him in there. He's this big, huge guy. And you just go over and he's like pummeling the Killing children. The <laughs> and you type Yeti, which is the same. And, same here. and I'm like, that's so funny. You just, so it's really fun. It's a, and I mean, it can be can, frustrating. Because a couple of them are like, you can deal with how stuff. many ways is there to score? Because at one level, you do the one oh, thing, the you get the little score. star. And then you have to do it three times in a row, but you can't reuse the same stuff. Well, there's one where there's a soccer net and a goalie and you, and it says score. Well, you get a soccer ball, go into the net, you've scored. How many other ways is there to score? You, if you type ball, it says you've typed this ball already. If you type soccer ball, it says you've used this ball already. So I don't understand. That was the one that frustrated me. So Could you do on. golf ball? No, because I've, nothing I've done puck. I did a uh, uh, few other sports things that did a javelin. <laughs> I did all kinds of stuff, throwing things at the net, running myself into the net. Nothing nothing works except the soccer ball, and you can't use it more than once. It's totally a fun game. It's, oh, yeah. Um, I think it'll be a hit, to it's be It's one of those... One more. Just one it, more. Just it does have more. some, like you said, some like control oh, issues. Oh, yes. The thing where it, if you're over... If you scroll the camera over to a little section, and you're trying to build something or do something, well, the camera automatically, after about 20 seconds, just zooms back to where you're standing. And that's really frustrating. Because yeah. it's no, there's no point. Now, I say if you've got kids, right, like... Um, and they've got DS's. It's a good game because it not only increases vocabulary because you've got to think of things and then in it, and if you do type in a word wrong, it kind of corrects you and says, "Do you is it stethoscope you meant?" Yep, yeah. Because you know, probably... and then uh, although it'll give you three other options, yeah. stuff and you go what? stuff that you don't even know what it is. So I think it's actually really cool for kids. I mean, because. I know a lot of kids you can give them that and they will just spend hours typing stuff in and I, you know for a fact our nephew oh, when yeah. he gets his hands on it he's just going to I be, do yeah just try because you can actually just not even start the game sit on the title screen and type anything yeah, in you want yeah because age just, old question you know who would want to fight a pirate or a ninja you, t- you type both of those in drop them down and they fight each other I had a vampire and vampire hunter fighting <laughs> each other this morning <laughs> and they both appeared and started fighting I had God and the devil and I had yeah God drops down God. Did you do Jesus? No, I did God. But God always wins the devil. Rockstar, that's one I want to type in and see what they look like. What a rock star looks like. Yeah, I'm sure there is one. I mean, yeah, it's a cool game. It's um, Scribblenauts, and it's for the Nintendo DS, and it's... It's a little misleading, that name. I mean, you can set the screen to where what you write your letter yeah, to you identifies, but that's, that's not time-consuming. So it's, you're not really scribbling anything. 
No. Your type. But I guess the art style is kind of scribblish. It's mm. almost like kids' drawings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the whole aesthetic is like children of Druid. Yeah. And so it's pretty visually appealing immediately, isn't it? I can't get over the amount of. I would like it to things. be on the PC. If you I would like it to be on the Wii, to be honest. I think it oh, would yeah, work that'd be awesome. really well on the Wii because yeah. pointy controls and bigger. And bigger, yeah. Yeah. I think it might end up on the Wii. Because so, uh, there's a lot of other words in the world. <laughs> Scribble Knots 2 for the Wii, maybe? Or Scribble Knots Wii Edition. Do a Ketamari slash Scribble Knots together. That'd be awesome. So that's Scribble Knots. You can get that now. Um, and that's it for games. So next week, we'll, uh, like I say, Wet Marvel Ultimate Alliance and, uh, and uh, Need for Speed Shift I'll talk about. So what have you got for this week? What's for dinner? I'm sure everyone's on the edge of their seat waiting for this. Yes. Tonight we are going to be having shepherd's pie, roasted squash, and a bok choy dish. And this is a vegetarian shepherd's pie. Correct. Vegetarian, yes. Because we'll be using a meat crumble substitute kind of thing. And a roasted squash and bok choy, which we just happened to be the other morning early. We had Food Network on and some chick cooking vegetarian food. No, she wasn't vegetarian. She had chicken and stuff there, too. But she made this bok choy side dish, which I've never had in my whole life. I've seen it at the store. It's Asian cabbage, right? I think. It's like a leafy white and green thing. I got It's in the fridge. That's what it and is. I'm just going to chop it up and cook it like she did. It could be something Crap. I don't like. I mean, I don't like spinach, so I don't know if it tastes like spinach. It's, she said it tastes like cabbage, and I like cabbage. Oh, I love so. cabbage, so we'll see. So, uh, yeah, and I just want to say, I don't know if I stressed it enough, um, Ameri- <laughs> an American werewolf in London... Blu-ray disc. It's a must-have. You can actually pick it up. As, I've seen it for seventeen ninety-nine online. That's so, reasonable. And it's really full, filled with extras. Classic. Um, if you're our age, it might be a movie that appeals to you. If you're younger and you've not heard of it and you like horror movies, well, get it to see yeah. how horror movies were in the early 80s. You know, good And if you're movie. older than us, you probably don't like movies. Yeah. <laughs> you're not listening to this. No. <laughs> you're uh, getting your commode changed. <laughs> That's our very near future, isn't it? You're empty in your colostomy bag. (laughs) That kind of stuff. (laughs) Oh my God, you British people. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you. I want to remind you about... um, It's not as hot. Usually I'm I'm boiling hot. hot. I'm hot. No, I'm not today. Uh, We got the door open, though. So um, I want to thank you for listening. And the website's ascully.com, sidtalk.com, twitter.com slash ascully, twitter.com slash sidtalk. We're on Facebook. We're on Xbox Live. We are basically everywhere where you could possibly be online. No, not on MySpace. Apart, I probably am on MySpace, but yeah. never ever doubt, ever looked Crap. at it. Yeah. Um, so you can also get this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace. I was going to say you also have a funny a couple of funny videos on YouTube that you've made. I have some videos on YouTube. Just look up Sid Doc or Ace Gully. You'll find them. <laughs> Yours are funnier than mine. I want to mention about Zoom Marketplace. Actually, the Zoom HD comes out this week, so the Zoom software is changing. The Zoom Marketplace is supposedly going to look different from Tuesday onwards when you've got the big update. So keep keep tuned for that if you use Zoom. I do. Sure, it'll be interesting. Um, you'll be able to get our podcast there anyway. It's going to be down for a whole day, so... Mm. Tomorrow. I believe it's tomorrow that Zoom Marketplace is down. Which would be September 14th? Yeah, for 24 hours while they update the software and all that stuff. So, yeah, you might not be listening to us. <laughs> Unless you're hopefully getting you on went to the page. Yeah, hopefully... Yeah, or you can go to iTunes, get it. You can go to our page, get it. 
But um, yeah, if you're a Zoom user, you might not get it tomorrow morning. Um, you can email feedback to aschooler at aschooler.com. Don't email feedback to SidTalk. And I want to say stay classy, uh, John Landis. And I noticed on IMDb that An American Werewolf in Paris is being remade in 2011. So I'm not sure what that's all about. Maybe mm. it's John Landis making Maybe a real version. fully making it. Yeah. So. I'm going to say think for yourself, people. You know the rest. If you don't do it, someone will do it for you. 